and the propitiation for their sins or the wrath-removing sacrifice for their sins. Also that they, the children of God, verse 9, might live eternally through him. Thus the love of God, Christian, it was made manifest and displayed to us via the incarnation and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And thus since God is love, and since God loved us, and since God now abides in us, we then as Christians, verse 11, ought to love one another. Because when we love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, verse 12, God's love, it is perfected in us in that it reaches its intended goal in us. Therefore, when we love one another as a church body, that is evidence, church, that the unseen God of the universe, that he is alive and active and present in this world and in our very lives. Therefore, never, ever, ever miss an opportunity to love one another, church, because through our love for each other, the God of the universe, he displays himself to the world. However, as for today, Christian... John writes in verse 12 that if we love one another, God abides in us and that his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, God abides in us and that his love is perfected in us. And these two themes are what the Apostle John is going to flesh out and focus on throughout the rest of chapter 4. As John will focus on the theme of God abiding in us in verses 13 through 16, and then turn his attention to that of love being perfected in us in verses 17 through 21. Therefore, with that outlined in mind, today we will be focusing on the theme of God abiding in us. Or to put it another way, fixing our attention on the wondrous and miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning, or the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. God is love, and God has loved us, Christian, by giving us his spirit so that we can confess that Jesus is the Son of God and abide in love. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this. God is love, and God has loved us, Christian, by giving us his spirit so that we can confess that Jesus is the Son of God and abide in love. And as for our text this morning, we'll be looking at, again, 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, which can be found on page 1023 in your pew Bible, which is located in the pews in front of you. Thus, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, and hear God's word together. For the Apostle John, he writes, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, how good it is to come into this church building this morning and to meet as the church, as the body of Christ. 
Father, we thank you for no bad weather this morning, no sickness this morning, and that we can gather to glorify you, to worship you, to praise you, and to build each other up in Christ-likeness. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive this morning. Father, help me. Give me clarity of mind. Father, let me see you for who you are this morning. Let me have a high view of God. And let me communicate the beauty and the grandeur that you have given to us in your word this morning to this dear, precious flock. Father, I pray for the words to speak. Lord, that they be clear, that they be truthful, but that they be confident in you. Do this work this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning is this church. Point number one, God is love, and God has loved us, Christian, by giving us his spirit so that we can confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God is love, and God has loved us, Christian, by giving us his spirit so that we can confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Verses 13 through 15. John writes, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So the Apostle John opens verse 13 with, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. And throughout John's first epistle, John has been very concerned about his readers knowing and being assured and being confident concerning a litany of different things. However, here in verse 13, John distinctly wants his readers to know that they abide in God and that God abides in them, meaning that they are saved in fellowship with God as the children of God. And thus John writes to his Christian readers that they can know for sure that they abide in God and that God abides in them because, verse 13, God, he has given us of his spirit, or God, he has given the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to the question, who exactly is this Holy Spirit whom God the Father has given to us? Well, as our articles of faith clearly articulate, the eternal Holy Spirit, he proceeds forth from God for the Father and the Son, and is of the same substance and equal in power and glory with the Father and the Son. For the Holy Spirit is the only efficient agent in the application of redemption. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, moves them to repentance, and regenerates them by his grace, enabling them to embrace Jesus Christ by faith. For that is how vital and essential and necessary the work of the Holy Spirit is in our redemption church. Because even though God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be the propitiation for our sins, also that we might live eternally through him, without the gift of the Holy Spirit, humanity remains blind, deaf, dead, and dumb to all the things of God. However, with 
the gift of the Holy Spirit comes regeneration. With the gift of the Holy Spirit comes new birth. With the gift of the Holy Spirit comes the ability to embrace Jesus Christ for who he truly is. That being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And thus John writes in verses 14 and 15, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now when the Apostle John says that we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son, what he means is that we, the Apostles, have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son. For it was the Apostles' Church who saw Jesus Christ teach. It was the Apostles' Church who observed Jesus heal the sick. It was the Apostles' Church who looked upon Jesus as he hung, nailed to a cross at Calvary. And it was the Apostles' Church who witnessed and touched Jesus' very nail-pierced hands after he rose from the dead. And thus John declares that we, the Apostles, yeah, we have seen the very Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the flesh. However, not only did John and the apostles see Jesus Christ in the flesh, they also, verse 14, testified. For they also bore witness and affirm and declared that God the Father sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to be, verse 14, the Savior of the world. As in the one who would save his people from their sins, Matthew 1. The one who would seek and save the lost, Luke 19. The one who would save his bride, the church, Ephesians 5. The one from whom all of mankind must be saved by Acts chapter 4. For that is the message that the apostles testified in the first century and to every generation after. That Jesus Christ was, is, and forever will be the Savior of the world. And, O church, did these apostles testify this message. For the apostles, they went to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, testifying this message. For they went and made disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by testifying this message. Because this message was not just for the Jew church. Oh no, this message that God the Father sent his son Jesus Christ to be the Savior of the world, this message was for the Jew and the Greek, the Samaritan, and the Gentile, for this good news was for people groups from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation, for this was the good news, church, that Jesus had come to be the Savior of the world. However, here is the catch, church. It is only through the supernatural and regenerating work of the Holy Spirit that anyone can truly confess. Verse 15, That Jesus is the Son of God. Thus, no Holy Spirit church equals no confession, no belief, and no trust in Jesus Christ being the Son of God and the only Savior of the world. For that is how necessary and essential and vital the gift of the Holy Spirit is for the Christian. David Burgess wrote that the term, Christ is Lord was a creed of a group of early Christians in the Roman Empire in the late first century. And this group of Christians, they were far more politically aware than their simple faith formula may suggest. 
For they lived at a time and in a place where all loyal, patriotic citizens were required to assert once every year that Caesar, or that the state, is Lord. Thus, when these first century Christians pronounced their creed that Christ is Lord, not only were they saying that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they were also saying that the state, or that Caesar, was not In short, they were affirming and confessing and testifying via the power of the Holy Spirit that they would have no other gods in their life other than that the true Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. You see, brother Christian, sister Christian, to be able to testify that Jesus is Lord, to be able to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, to be able to embrace and trust and believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world and your Lord. It is to know that you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And thus, let that truth be a balm to your soul this morning, Christian. Because for you to believe in the same confessions as the Apostle John, for you to testify to the same creeds as the Apostles of old, the same men who saw Jesus Christ, crucified, die, and raised from the dead, it is to know without a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit, that he now abides in you, and that you have assuredly been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. For as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, because no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Again, church, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And thus, to sum it all up here, church, God who is love, he loves you. And in love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the propitiation for your sins so that you could live eternally through him. However, that is not all Christian, because also in love, God gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, turning your heart of stone to a heart of flesh, so that you can now confess that Jesus is the Son of God and believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And oh, to be able to confess and believe and agree wholeheartedly with those truths, Christian, it is to mean that you have experienced the eternal love of God and have been given the gift of eternal love life with him. Thus to God be the glory for the gift of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And to God be the glory for taking the initiative to love us first. However, when God gave you his spirit, Christian, not only did his spirit empower you to confess and believe that Jesus is the son of God and the savior of the world, But the Holy Spirit, he also began to conform you into the likeness of your very God. The God who is love. Which brings us to point number two. God is love, and God has loved us, Christian, by giving us his spirit so that we too can abide in love. God is love. And God has loved us, Christian, by giving us his spirit so that we too can abide in love. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So because God abides in us, church, through his spirit... 
we can now, verse 16, know and believe the love that God has for us. However, the work of the Holy Spirit, it does not stop there. Because those indwelt with the Holy Spirit, they not only believe the proper doctrines concerning Jesus Christ. They not only affirm the proper confessions about Jesus Christ, and they not only accept the proper creeds regarding Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit, he also empowers the Christian to be able to abide in love. Or as John writes in verse 16, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now keep in mind here, church, the historical context of the epistle of 1 John. For John is writing at a time when a group of people left the church over significant doctrinal disagreements. And those who left the church, they immediately began pushing and promoting and thrusting their heresies and their false beliefs and their false doctrines directly back at the church. Likely doing so in a way that was harsh and horrid and hateful. And thus a scholar, Colin Cruz, pointed out, John here wants his Christian readers to know that unlike those who left the church and who are now hating them, they, John's Christian readers, they still love each other, which is evidence that God's spirit is abiding in them and that they are the ones in true fellowship with God, not those who left the church and who are now hating them. Because as John has said over and over and over again, loving one another, Christian, it is a mark, it is a sign, and it is evidence that the Spirit of God is truly abiding and present in you. For example, I read a story this week about a Christian man who was driving on a dark highway one evening. When out of nowhere, he hit a hitchhiker who had been too close to the roadside. And in hearing the sickening thud on his front fender, the Christian man stopped to see what had happened. And when he saw that he had hit an injured man, an injured a man, initially he just wanted to jump back into his car and drive away as quickly as possible. However, in that moment of weakness, as he started toward his car door to drive away, the injured man, he cried out, For the love of God, please help me. And it was with those words the Christian driver resisted the fearful temptation to drive off and return to help the man. Church, for the love of God, we can resist temptation. In fact, for the love of God, we can go beyond temptation and genuinely love our brother and sister in Christ no matter the situation. Church, these are Paul's words from Romans chapter 5. That God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thus it is easy to see why Paul so clearly articulated in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 that love is without a shadow of a doubt a fundamental, natural, and essential fruit of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if you are sitting there this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, and you are noticing the fruit of love budding and flowering and growing in all areas of your life, then be at peace, have confidence, and take heed this morning, Christian, because because since you are now, verse 16, abiding in love and abiding in God, that is proof that the Spirit of God, that he now abides in you. 
and thus I so, so, so want this message to be an encouragement to your soul this morning, church. Because I know I get after you a lot during my sermons. I know that I am consistently exhorting and challenging and admonishing you all to be who you now are in Jesus Christ. I know that I do it a lot, and I get that. And all of Faith Bible Fellowship Church said, Amen. However, today, I want to put down my exhorter tone and my exhorter demeanor just for a second. And really just be an encouragement to you this morning, church. Because I am seeing with my own two eyes a significant increase of love here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. And honestly, it is wonderful for me as your pastor to see and to hear about and to bear witness to daily. For I have seen this year, Faith Bible Fellowship Church, a family who just purchased bunk beds for their children, just give them away within a day, without a second thought in response to an email that went out about a family in need. For that is the kind of love that I have been seeing around here lately. However, that is just one example of many church. Because I've also seen this year our members give money and gift cards to each other, make gift baskets and scrapbooks for each other, cook meals and bake treats for each other, buy groceries and run errands for each other. I mean, I have even seen our members visit and pray for and encourage and weep with each other in their times of need. And that is fruit, church. For that is the fruit of love budding and flowering and growing within this church body and within each one of you. And that fruit of love church, it's also evidence for the fruit of love reassures our hearts and is a blessed assurance that we are indeed abiding in God and that God's spirit now abides in us. Therefore, since God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us, brother Christian, sister Christian, love one another in all that you do. For it is affirmation to the mind, confidence for the heart, and assurance to your soul that even in this dark and crazy and upside-down world, that the God of the universe, that he loves you, that he saved you, and that he now and through eternity will be faithful to remain abiding in you. Now, as we close this morning, I'll begin with the non-Christian who is here first. Now, non-Christian, I mentioned earlier in the sermon this morning that there is indeed only one Savior of the world. However, we are currently living in a world and living at a time where antichrist and false teachers and false prophets are telling you that you don't need a savior because you can live however you'd like, drink as much as you like, fornicate as much as you like, watch as much filth, listen to as much junk, and speak as foolishly as you'd like because the only thing that matters in this world is what makes you happy. Am I right? And thus, if you are living your best life now, staying true to yourself and being whoever you desire to be, then you certainly don't need to be saved from those worldly ways of life, but instead you just need to simply embrace it. For that is the message that the world is preaching to you today, non-Christian. However, the creator of that world... In love, he says, that when lust and desire conceive, they give birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. 
James chapter 1. So although in the here and now, non-Christian, your sinful lust and desire seem acceptable to you and to mankind and to this world, Proverbs 14 makes clear that its end game is the way of death. However, our God, the creator God, the God of the universe, he not only made you non-Christian and not only sustains you non-Christian, but in love he also sent the cure, the remedy, and the solution for your sin problem. For in love God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to literally save you from your sin. And how did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, save his people from their sin? Well, first off, non-Christian, Jesus Christ, he actually came into this world in the flesh as truly God and as truly man and literally made his dwelling amongst us. For Jesus Christ was born under the law of God, the same law that you and I and every other man could not keep. However, Jesus Christ, he is no ordinary man. For Jesus Christ, he is God in the flesh, and thus Jesus was able to live a life that was sinless and righteous and pure. For Jesus Christ did not violate any part of the holy and perfect law of God, and thus he fulfilled the law of God completely for the children of God. However, not only did Jesus Christ live the life that you could not live, But Jesus Christ, he also paid the debt that you could not pay. Meaning the wrath and the punishment and the judgment that we deserve for our sins. Jesus Christ, he bore that punishment for us as our very substitute. For the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ, was nailed to a cross, crucified, and died a sinner's death in our place. In order to appease the wrath of a holy God toward the sins of his children. And you know what, non-Christian? Being that Jesus is sinless and being that Jesus is God, his sacrificial work on the cross, it did in fact appease the wrath of God the Father toward the sins of his children. And thus three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead as the proof, as the receipt that he had defeated sin and defeated death and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sins as the only one who paid the price for your sins, who died for your sins, who can clothe you in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. Let today be the day, non-Christian, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you confess that Jesus is your Lord. For to believe and confess in the name of Jesus Christ, it is to receive eternal salvation via the only Savior of the world. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent and believe in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ. And to the Christian who is here today, thus far, brother Christian, sister Christian, during my final appeals, or during the application sections on love in the epistle of 1 John, I have focused heavily on exhorting you all 
and challenging you all to grow in loving one another, to visit each other, to text each other, to to check up on each other. However, today, I want you to leave here focusing not on what deeds or what actions or what things you could be doing to love one another more. But instead, I want you to leave here today focusing on what God has already done for you. To leave here today meditating on the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love that God the Father has for you. Concerning this love of God the Father, D.L. Moody wrote that there was a time when he used to think of the love of Jesus Christ more than the love of God the Father. He said, I used to think of God the Father as a stern judge on the throne from whose wrath Jesus Christ had saved me from. However, it seems to me now that I could not have had a falser idea of God the Father than that. Because ever since I became a father, I made this discovery, that it takes more love and sacrifice for a father to give up his son than it does for the son himself to die. Is a father on earth a true father that would not rather suffer than see his own child suffer? Do you think that it costs God nothing to redeem this world? It costs God the most precious possession he ever had. When God gave his son, he gave all. And yet he gave him freely to you and me, Christian. And thus, if you are feeling that temptation this morning to not love your brother, if you are currently stuck in the trap of indifference, the pit of apathy, the abyss of coldness, struggling to find the motivation, the reason, or the inclination needed to go out of your way and to love your church family in a way that is genuine and Christ-like and sacrificial, then seek the love of your heavenly Father this morning. Because the more you seek the love of your heavenly Father, Christian, the more your heavenly Father, He will reveal His love to you. Thus, the more you read His Word and pray to Him and meditate on His love, on the incarnation and the atonement of Jesus Christ, the more you are going to want to love your heavenly Father right back. Which means, Christian, you are naturally going to desire to love your brother and sister in Christ who you can see as a way to love the God of the universe who you cannot see. Therefore, if loving others has been a challenge to you this season, if COVID has you down, if the political climate has you down, or your family or work or sickness is just beating on your soul, impeding and hampering and obstructing your desire to love your brothers and sisters in Christ then go, run directly to the love of your heavenly Father this morning, Christian, and taste and see what great love the Father has lavished on you. For I can promise you, you will not be underwhelmed or let down or disappointed. For our God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And because of the great love with which he loved you, Christian, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God, he made us alive together with Jesus Christ, for by grace you have been saved. For God's love for you, Christian, it is not temporary or brief, momentary or limited, fading or fleeting, but instead
instead the love of our heavenly father. It is a love that endures forever. Thus go and see what kind of love the father has given to you, Christian. For the father, he has sent you his son and he has given you his spirit. Also that you could be called through eternity a child of the most high God. For that is the sacrificial, never ending, always and forever love that God our heavenly father has for his children. Thus it's my prayer that we cling to that love, church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And thus there is only one savior of the world, church, and his name is Jesus Christ. And there is only one spirit, church, who can regenerate us so that we can believe in Jesus Christ. And they both came to us in love from our heavenly father. Therefore, help us, father, to abide faithfully in you as you continue to abide faithfully faithfully in us. For our salvation, it is truly a gift that you, Father, have given to us out of the abundance of your love and mercy and grace. Thus, Heavenly Father, to you be the glory forever and ever for the gift of your Son, the gift of your Spirit, and for the gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we cannot even fathom the gifts that we have been given this morning. You have sent us your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us of your Spirit so that we can confess in the Son of God and abide in you and abide in love because you now abide in us. Father, our salvation is the work of you, God. We bring nothing to the table but our sins that you came and saved us from. And we can see that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit abiding in us because we love you and we love each other. Father, let this be a blessed assurance to us today. Let it reassure our hearts and give us confidence that no matter what is taking place in this world around us, we are the children of God. We have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Christ, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.